Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. It's Brendan Johnson and Ryan Pay here with you, and, well, Aaron Johnson... He's nowhere to be found. I guess a couple bottom feeder teams in the Eastern Conference get hot, beat the Warriors, and Aaron just books flight to Florida. Right to Florida. I mean, I'm not going to lie, though. I'm a little bit jealous. He's in oh, Florida. Yeah. We're here in the snow and the cold. Aaron's living it up. That bastard. 26 degrees. 26 here degrees Detroit. here in the Detroit area. That's crazy. Oh, he's man. in Florida. And he's in Florida just chilling out. How about the heat and the magic getting a couple big wins? We'll move into the Pistons, don't you worry. But the Warriors losing a couple crazy losing games. Losing two games to the magic and to the heat. Uh, way to help us out. I appreciate it, Golden State. Yeah. But seriously, Steph missing 21 shots last night um, against uh, against the magic. Magic being down 11 going in the fourth quarter and winning that game. The Warriors not even scoring 100 points. I get Iguodala didn't play because he was sick and they were resting Kevin Durant. But still, that's still yeah. just a very talented team uh, that had another off night. Uh, Steph was asked after the game if he was worried about the team. No, he said no. Obviously, he said no. They don't care about the regular season. At what point are At we going to get that through our brains? Right. Maybe they are struggling a little bit sometimes, and it's a little worrisome because it's a little bit more than it has been in the past. But they will crank it up for the playoffs. They'll be fine. They'll be just fine. Like, but that's the not- difference between... A team like the Warriors and then even a team like Detroit or Miami right. or Orlando. Right. We're worried about the regular when season. When something happens like this, we would worry. Golden State does not need to worry at all. Sure, maybe it's a touch troubling that they have been struggling to get it going like they have in years past. But they've got to be a little bit bored of the regular season at some point, knowing they're just better than everyone. Right. Well, you know, we on the podcast last week are talking about there's like 17 games left. You know, how many of these are winnable games for Detroit? There's, however, 26 games 26. left. And we we're saying there's 17 winnable games left for Detroit. And, I mean, if you asked a Golden State fan that question, it's like that's just the, they'd tell you every single game. What oh, are you yeah, talking no. about? There's 25 games left, 26 games left. They're all winnable. Yeah. There's no worry there. Are we going to win them all? Probably not, but we'll win the vast, vast, vast mm-hmm. majority of them, and they'll all be winnable games. Absolutely. Well, you want to talk about winnable games. Detroit has won 7 out of 10. They did fall the other night to the Spurs in what Ryan on Twitter claimed was a must-win game for Detroit. I believed it was. The Spurs had come in losing 7 of their last 8, playing terrible basketball. Terrible basketball. The Pistons had come in winning seven of their last eight. So they were in a hot streak. They had good camaraderie going. You couldn't let the Spurs find their footing against you. And they played great defense and found their way again. They were going to be desperate. When a team is desperate, if you come out matching their desperate intensity and you can put them down by 10 to 12, I get Spurs. the Spurs aren't like most teams. And the fact that they're not just going to, you know, fall over and die. Right. 
But if you come out mashing that intensity and can put them away early, a team that is struggling will possibly start to have that mental doubt and go down. Yes. The Pistons did not match that intensity. And it let the Sp- it let San Antonio find their footing, and they beat them by 12. Right. And Detroit stayed in that game for a while. It maintained oh, like they a four-point deficit. They Detroit were right there. the whole way. The first quarter, be damned, because that was uh, that was an interesting quarter. That was like, oh, this is going to be a game quarter. Then all of a sudden, the rest of the way, the Spurs would pull at about 12-13. Detroit would get it within four, two to four. And then the Spurs go on their run, Pistons go on their run, and they just toyed with us the rest of the way that game. Yeah. Could never really finish the deal. Well, Detroit has won three out of four since returning from the All-Star break. And, you know, just kind of to recap, you look back to that first game back, the Hawks, Mm -hmm. 125 to 122, Detroit gets the win. That was a game before the pod last week. We talked about, you know, Detroit needs to win this game by 15-20. They're going to make a statement. But obviously things changed when Blake Griffin got tossed from that game. And Detroit was kind of able to overcome some of the adversity that was thrown at them. They played a rather close game, but were able to hold on late. I thought you learned a lot about Detroit in the victory over Atlanta. Oh, I agree. Uh, you have I have to walk back that statement of winning by 15-20. to because I mean, first off, it obviously didn't happen. But they did show a lot of grit and determination and wherewithal. They overcame adversity, losing Blake Griffin. And the Hawks had to have played one of their top five mm-hmm. games of the year. The Hawks played really... Trey Young was fantastic. Vince Carter played a decent game. Uh, Everybody was rested. Just, oh my god, dude. Talking, talking, talking. Nothing. Blake Griffin gets ejected for yelling at uh, Atlanta's bench. And Vince Carter's just talking, talking, talking. Nothing. nothing. Okay then. Sure. Whatever. Um... But seriously, Dwayne Dedman had a great game. Just the Hawks, Kent Bazemore played very mm-hmm. well. Torian Prince was in the zone. The Hawks played very cohesively in that game. And for Detroit to lose Blake Griffin right, and have Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson and the rest of the gang step up in adversity, I'm not mad at that. That's a good win for them. Absolutely it was. And then they followed up that with the next day 25-point win over the Miami Heat, winning 119-96. to And... Oh, that right there, the 20-plus point win versus the Heat tells me everything we need to know. Oh, yeah. No, this team's ready. This team is focused like they said they would be. And, I I mean, it was a great effort against Miami. I don't have to get into it too deeply if we don't want to, but it was a great effort. The team played very well. Blake Griffin's letting his teammates get involved earlier on the offense so he's not taking the whole burden on himself because, like, we've been hammering home, and everyone on Twitter's been hammering home, run the pick and roll more with Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. And that's what they've been doing, and it's taking the pressure off Blake Griffin. And you're seeing guys come, Wayne Ellington starting to shoot better because of it. Luke Kennard's looking like a man right now because of it. I'm digging mm-hmm. Luke Kennard right now, big time. Reggie Jackson's playing some good ball. Andre Drummond's doing dominating, dominating the league right now. Yeah. And can I just yeah sidebar on Andre Drummond real quick here? Nobody, I don't think really anyone's been harder Okay, that that's scratch that. We have been very hard on Andre Drummond. Very. And there's a good sect of the Pistons fans that are very hard on Andre Drummond. Because we know what he can be. He can be absolutely dominant when he's in the zone. And it hasn't always been that way. And for good reason, people have been tough on him, including you and I. Yeah. But if you're slandering him now after these last 13, 14 games, I get the Spurs game 
wasn't his best game. It wasn't, but, but it Blake, wasn't bad. But it, it wasn't, wasn't bad. bad. It was 10-17 and 17 with, what, three or four steals? Sure. But, hey, Blake didn't play well that game. Um, uh, Andre didn't play well that game. The whole front court in general just didn't play very well. So I'm not going to hold that to him. And it wasn't even like it was a bad game. Right. It just wasn't <laughs> one of these dominant performances that they've been having. Which is fine. It's not going to happen every night. But all I'm saying is if you're still slandering Andre Drummond right now, get out of here. What are you doing? Are you you're clearly not watching the game then? Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's I'm not justified well. anymore. If you want to talk about in the past, sure. But right now what he's doing, you how can you slander him at all? How about that Pacers game where Andre had what he had 26 points? He had 16 rebounds. He had three blocks. He had two steals. It got edgy down the stretch. He, I love that. It's This is the Andre we've been dying for. And it's not ridiculous to hold him to this standard. I'm not talking he has to put up a 20-20 every game. I'm not talking about that. But how he's influenced the, influencing the game, how he's playing within himself, playing smart, playing power instead mm-hmm. of finesse, yes. just letting the game evolve and letting it happen and letting him find his way. He's finding his way instead of, uh, you know, forcing it. This is the Andre we've always thought he could be. And if this is what keeps up, never trade this guy because he is the best center in the league at that point. Then. Sure. Maybe sure. outside of Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is outrageous right now. He is. But if Andre but in can general, continue. If he just keeps this style of play up. I mean, like you said, it's not the 2020s every night. It's not what we're talking about. But just this style, this way he's attacking, then yes, he is basically the best center in the league and you can't trade him because that would be asinine and he makes the team better. That's I'm sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Because I'm still seeing a lot of Andre Drummond mm-hmm. slander and it's like, what... what have you been watching the last 15 games? Sure. What are you talking Listen, about? Listen, even as maybe one of Andre's biggest critics, when he's playing well, and this is for anything, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump on his back. No. I'm gonna pat him on the back. I'm gonna congratulate, right? We have, because that's what it's all about. We have made it no secret how how tough we've been on Andre, but we've always known that like there's more to his game than what yeah. he was showing. He was better than how he was playing. The word you said was forcing, and he's not forcing. He's not. That's the difference. That's that's the growth we were looking for. A lot of Andre Drummond's game has been forcing it in the past. Now he's just letting it happen. And when you that's that's telling me you're comfortable in the game. You're comfortable with your teammates. You're comf- comfortable with the playing style, mm-hmm. the sets, everything. Because the old Andre Drummond, if you will, you know, would force six, seven, eight, nine shots a game. And that, that kills be possessions. Those are when you, when when Andre would get those post touches or in the short corner, and he would try forcing just a shot that was not in his realm, at least of consistency. Right? You could have counted those as turnovers. Oh, here you go. Because that's what the effect they had. Something that's finally clicking with Andre. He's passing out of the post a little yes. bit. Yes. That that was so crucial for for his growth and for his development in his game. He used to never pass out of the post. Once he got it, no matter how the look is, he has three guys on him holding him down. They're not calling a foul. He's still just going to throw it up. Mm -hmm. He's passing out of the post now when it's not there. Which is huge. It's huge. He's making the smart play. And that's forcing people to not to send two people. Excuse me. That's uh, forcing teams not to send 
two people at him as he's getting ready to shoot. Not that you need to double him in the post, but he's making a smart decision. It's letting him get to the basket easier for the easier hook shot that he can shoot and make on a regular basis. It's just something I had to get off my chest. Yes. Because like I said, I don't think there's very many people who have been tougher on Andre Drummond than you and I. But damn it. Stop with the slander. Mm -hmm. He's playing some ball right now. I don't get where people get off talking bad about this guy right now. I don't either. I'd say he's the most important part of the team right now. And Honestly, Blake's going through a bit of a touch of a low. He put up the 20, 10, and 10. Yep. Yep, He's been playing well. He's been playing well. But it's not that extra level the last few games that we've seen all season. Right. He's had a step back. And it's not going to be like, oh, he's stepped back. He's done for the year. No, he's just, everyone goes through it. He's just having a little step back. And Andre Drummond has stepped up. Yes. Big time. Huge. You know who else has stepped up? Luke Kennard. Big time. The dude Big is time. shooting the ball, man. Bro, I love his confidence. The step back three ball he took, uh, who was it? Was that against uh, Indiana? I believe it was, Indiana? yes. Oh my goodness. I was losing my mind. In that game, Luke Kennard, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 of 8 from 3, 7 of 10 total from the field in 24 minutes. That dude's just stroking it right now. And when he shoots with confidence, he is the guy that we've talked about. And this is why we have preached so much, hey, you can't let Luke get jumped in the lineup. You can't let Luke fall out of a rotation. You've got to stick with this guy. He's a young piece. He's got a lot of upside. And when this dude shoots the basketball like that and could develop some other you know, attributes of his game, I mean, defensively, he's still not great. But he's made some nice but, plays. You know, say, you know what he's been doing? That's he's made some real nice game. plays. Two steals on Dwayne yeah. Wade. Get out of here, Dwayne. You know nothing about Luke Kennard. The guy's playing some defense right now. Sure, it's still not top-of-the-line defense. But he's more engaged on the defensive end. Absolutely. And guess what that's doing? Sparking his juice, mm-hmm. sparking his mentality, and he's playing even better on the offensive end. He's more he's confident. He's just got that swag, that juice, you know what I mean? Sure. He's playing with it right now. So I think a question arises. Are you concerned with you look at the Pistons right now, we talk about the energy they have, the juice they're playing with, the you know, the energy they've got. Eventually, this fizzles out. Whether it's for a game, whether it's for a week, whether it's for the rest of the year. We don't know. But are you concerned that when Detroit hits that cold shooting day, not like a loss to the Spurs. They, I mean, they didn't play great, but they were right in the game. When they have that game where they lose by 15 and it wasn't really close, will they be able to respond? That is the question. Because that game's inevitable. And I don't know when That game's that inevitable be. for every team. Absolutely. So, how do you respond? And I think seeing the energy and the high that the Pistons are on right now, I think there's room for a slight concern for a dramatic fall rather than a gradual decline and then rise back up. I'll say this. This is a team that's in the thick of the playoff race. They have Dwayne Casey, a seasoned vet, leader, been to the playoffs, good with the players, leading the team. Blake Griffin, locked in, leader. I don't think those two are going to let the team just completely die. When that game inevitably happens, where Detroit shoots 28% for the game, mm-hmm. and the defense just wasn't quite there, and they lose 110-84. to And it's a, just a dejecting game, a game maybe they needed to have in yeah. the standings. 
don't see them just dying off or having a major drop off to where, oh my gosh, they needed this game. They just got blown out. They're dejected. There's eight games left. They're only two games up in the playoff race, you know, or whatever. And Orlando and Charlotte are chasing them and they're playing hot. And Detroit just falls off and goes two and six. I don't see that happening. I don't think Dwayne Casey, and I don't think Blake Griffin lets that happen. Reggie Jackson's healthy again, finally. His leadership, his playmaking ability will not let that happen. Yeah, no, I I, I, I hope so. Of course it's worrisome because it's been something they've done in the past. Right. And I get that, but I don't think this, this regime of players and coaches will let that happen. Well, Detroit's right in the battle, as everybody knows, for the Eastern Conference playoffs. There's five teams, essentially five teams, for three spots. Brooklyn is currently the sixth seed, sitting at 32 and 31. Detroit, the seventh seed, at 29 and 31. Orlando is the eighth seed, at 29 and 34. Charlotte is the ninth seed, at 28 and 33. And Miami is the tenth seed, at 27 and 34. But you know, obviously, Miami just within a game of Orlando out of the eighth seed. Miami sitting in the ten, as well as Charlotte, who's essentially tied with Orlando. Um, but Orlando would hold the tiebreaker today in that matchup. So for Detroit to be right there in the mix, and you, I mean, you talk about the thick of the playoff race, but there's three spots available. Detroit currently holds one of them. You cannot allow yourself to falter off. You can't allow yourself to lose back-to-back games. You've got to, it, It'll be really interesting, I think, to see the leadership of Blake and what Dwayne Casey's able to do amidst this playoff run um, because Detroit is right there. And if the season ended today, they would be in. But they still have work to do. Dwayne Casey and Blake Griffin have been around too long. And they've been to the playoffs too many times to let this team falter down the stretch. Like you said, five teams vying for three spots right now. There is no reason Detroit shouldn't get one of those three spots. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason it should be the eighth seed. It should be the sixth or seventh seed, if you ask me. Absolutely agree. This team, is honestly... The coach is too good, and the players up top are too good in Blake and Dre. And right now you can put Reggie Jackson in there, in there as well. Absolutely you can. And Wayne Ellington's starting to come on. His shot's finding its way like we said it would. Luke Kennard's playing like a man off the bench right now. Bruce Brown is wrapping up the defense. This team is too talented to let it falter down the stretch. I'll tell you, I think Ish Smith is really a Ish huge Smith is playing, piece he for this team. He is critical. Critical. Because he, he's the leader off the bench. I think Luke is the main player off the bench, but Ish is the leader yep. and the pacemaker. Exactly. Exactly. Everything. He controls the tempo. He does. And he can push the ball, he can slow it down, and it allows Luke to get free because when Ish is driving, guy's got to collapse. And Ish is really good at getting to the rim and dishing it out. And A guy who Luke. can create his own offense. You need yes. that in your second unit, and Ish can do that. And that's paramount. Especially when... Against San Antonio, the bench was dead for most of the game. I'm not saying he did it in that game, but when that kind of thing happens down the stretch and in the playoffs, a guy like Ish can find his way and get that bench going. For sure. Because he can create his own offense. Yeah. And that's paramount. Absolutely. So, you know, you kind of look at the Pistons, you look at where they stand, we look at the bench, and you you kind of look then at the the remainder of the season they've won 3 out of 4 you said there were 17 winnable games do you stick with that prediction do you stick with detroit 
you know, kind of looking forward, subtracting four games, you know, do you still think that they have 14 winnable games left on the schedule? Uh, I do. Uh, my winnables were that the Pacers were going to be one out of three. So that doesn't change because they won this Pacers game. Right. So it, that doesn't change anything for or against <clears throat> the Pistons. I thought the Hawks were a winnable game. I thought the Heat were a winnable game. Here's actually something that changes. After the Pacers game and seeing how the Spurs have been playing, the Spurs originally were a non-winnable game to me in San Antonio. That flipped. So that made it 18 winnable games. Yeah. And nothing else has changed my mind about the rest of the way the season goes. As of right now, the way they're playing, their schedule, opponents, nothing's changed my mind. Everything is still on the table for them to be 17-9. and I don't think that's what it's going to turn out to be, like we've discussed. But but it's fair. It's a fair I think that's possibility. Fair. I think that's fair. It's not going to happen if you ask me, but it's fair. They've got a friendly game on Saturday as well. Kevin Love, I believe, is back, but you got the Cleveland Cavaliers. And yeah, that's a game Detroit should be able to. Is that Homer on the road? I didn't check. Well, let's 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 check the report, if you will. Let's check the but report. that's a game where Detroit should be able to knock off some rust and, and get oh, back in a good form. It's in Cleveland. It's then in they Cleveland. come okay. home to play Toronto on Sunday. Um, so, kind of a tune-up before the big game with Toronto this weekend. Oh, no looking ahead. No looking ahead at all because you can't. Yeah, no, you, you can't can. afford that because because Saturday's a winnable game. Saturday on is a winnable game. This. Is a game you have to find yourself. Yes. You have to work out the tweaks from what went wrong against San Antonio. Get everyone feeling good. Let's hope this is a 20-point game so Blake doesn't have to play 40 minutes. And right. Dre doesn't have to play 40 right. minutes. And they played, you know, 26, 27 minutes. They put up good numbers. Just the whole team in maybe, general is just feeling themselves. Maybe Blake should just get tossed again. Then you only have to play 26. <laughs> right, exactly. That'll be fresh. <laughs> maybe you should just get tossed. That was that was ridiculous. Ridiculous. But do you think that had an impact on that game versus Miami with Blake being a little fresher? Yeah, I don't see why not. Atlanta? I mean, he had been coming off the All-Star break, and then he only played 26 minutes or whatever it was against, not even, was it 25, 26? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was like somewhere in the mid-20s minutes against uh, Atlanta. He was good and ready to go. He was ready to carry the day, and he played well. He sure did. And the team's playing. I mean, he's not playing well shooting within the two uh a lot of his shots are coming from three right now because mm-hmm. he can't put a two-point bucket in. And that's a problem, but I'm not going to panic about it just yet. I'll tell you, it'd be nice if Detroit, you talk about that 20-point win, if you could get Blake Griffin like, about 30, 31 minutes and say, hey, that's all we great, need today. get out. Like, I, we talk about like a 20-point win is nothing. It's the NBA. Guys, they're professionals. They're going to show up no matter how bad the team is. And we're not the Warriors that can just shoot our way to a 20-point win. I get that. But if Detroit does find a little a little juice, a little cohesiveness in this game to where they can put an inferior team away relatively early, that'd be great going into this Toronto game. You know, there's a non-Pistons topic I'd like to talk about as well. I mean, it's Pistons topic, but yeah, no longer Pistons topic, if that makes sense. Okay. My boy, Henry Ellenson, signed Oof. by the Knicks. Oof. 36 minutes, a game high, hits the big-time shot to clinch a dub, ends an 18-game losing streak, goes to New York. Wow, dude. I am in awe. Henry. He gets a, he's a, gets a uh, contract through the end of the season, too. He did. And yeah. good for him. Hey, good for Henry Allenson doing what he's been doing because he put up 13 again last night, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like 13-5. and five. So he's playing well. 
um, over in New York, which is great. Good for him. And I'm not saying he ever had the biggest chances here in Detroit. I'm not saying that at all. But every time he did get in the game or did seem to have a chance, he looked like a deer in headlights. Oh, sure. He looked lost. He looked confused. He looked uncomfortable. He looked rushed. I mean, I don't know if you... There's more pressure in New York than there is Detroit, man. And now he's going to New York just playing loose and letting it go. I think I think him getting uh, waved by the Pistons was a bit of a wake-up call for him to be like, hey, just play. You got nothing sure. to lose at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just play because he was always so tight. And you could tell it just it was off with him here in Detroit. It wasn't going to work. So, hey, if he goes to New York and he continues on. And there's no pressure. And there's no pressure for him to. I mean, there's no expectation anymore they, for him. They, they want them to lose there. Yeah. So, like, for him, he just has to go out and play. And if they lose, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're used to right now. So he can find himself in that way. And maybe that's good for him. And maybe he turns into a bench guy in this league who brings you nine, eight, nine, ten points and five, six rebounds a game. Hey, you know what? Good for him at that point. But it wasn't going to work here in Detroit. So I'm not that worried about it. Maybe he'll go on a tear through the end of the year and then get a John Luer type contract. Oh, my goodness. That would be ridiculous. If, but uh, come oh on, dude. Oh, my god. The Luer contract is ridiculous. If Ellenson plays, dude, he might be able to find himself a nice little contract. I want to believe the GMs in this league are smarter than that. I want to believe that. Well, now you have to you have to prove it in more than just twenty games. If you've done it for a season and a half, look maybe, at his G League maybe, stats. Oh my god! All right, you didn't say that. Um, <laughs> if you can if you can do it for a year, a year and a half consistently, then maybe you swindle a GM into giving you a contract because he thinks the team thinks, oh, we've got something we can work with here. Great. But after 20 games, I cannot give a guy that type of contract. Dude. Get out of here. Come on. Don't be hating on my guy. I'm, I'm not hating on him. I'm happy for him. I'm just, I could not give him a big contract right now. You know who else was struggling the other night? Who was that? Stanley Johnson. Big time. Big time. Big time. Yeah, we had a nice little text chain going. It was a quick check-in on Stanley Johnson. He played for a minute. That yeah. was in a span of a game minute. Miss jumper, four missed free throws, whatever it was. Uh, two turnovers. Yeah. That, Ouch. That was absurd. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, just that one minute of play, all that happened. I was like, that's tough. And that's why Aaron needed a vacation. And that's why He Aaron saw that Stanley, was jo- you know, Stanley Johnson was struggling. And Aaron's like, you know what? I need to find myself. I, 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 I need a sabbatical. I need to get away from basketball. I need to get away from the NBA. I can't do this. Which, my goodness. It makes me so glad we have Thon. Oh, my gosh. From yeah, watching dude. Thon, he is so raw. There's so much to still mold and work mm-hmm. with. But if it's done right. There is a player there. Oh, yeah. A good player there. Do you think that the addition of Thon also has been a little extra motivation for Andre? It's just to like, hey, we're not moving on from you, but this dude's pretty good, so you better step it up or this dude may just move into your spot. I don't know if it's that far. I don't think it's that far at all. But I do think the bringing on of Thon and the energy he brings and the potential he possesses does spark a little bit in Andre to be like, hey, let's go. Let's yeah. play. And maybe that could be Andre's project, if you will. Hey, I'm going to help this guy. If my thing I've been saying to Aaron, I don't know if I've been saying it to you, but my big thing I've been saying to Aaron is 
Blake Griffin would be doing this team a disservice, and he's not the leader I thought he would be if this offseason he doesn't have Luke Kennard and Thonmaker in the gym with him every day. Yeah, Those are two young up-and-comers. Thon, maybe not as much right now as Luke, because Luke's more there. Thon is the project, obviously. But he would be doing those guys and this franchise a disservice if he's as locked in and you need Bruce Brown in, in there too. Oh, and Bruce Brown agreed. If he's not working with those guys every day in the summer, they're not training together, building more of a rapport, you know, building more of a chemistry when they're on the court mm-hmm. together, working on their game the scientific way Blake Griffin sure. did it. Look how Blake just blew up after one healthy offseason of scientific workout. Yes. If Blake does not have those guys with him, it's criminal. I'm not saying every day they're getting all their meals together, working out every day, but if they're not in the gym, you know, three times a week right. together. Two, I was going to say two, three, two, four three times, times a, week. a week. That's a disservice because that then Blake is not the leader he said he was, and he's not as bought in as he said he was. Because those are two guys that can help you get it going, my man. For sure, they are. They oh, absolutely. You need them. You, you need, need those them. guys. You, you need, need them. them. You're here, Blake. This Unless you're traded, which I honestly don't think is happening. No. This is where you are, my man. That doesn't change. So that's just something I've thought about. And Blake, I mean, excuse me, Luke and Thon could really get it going. Luke next year, maybe Thon in two years. Sure. Blake helping them get there, I think, is paramount. Especially Bruce Brown as well. Absolutely. Well, Blake's got to help this Pistons team right now get to the playoffs. You take a look at their upcoming games. We mentioned Saturday... Cleveland, 5 o'clock. Um, you got Sunday versus the Raptors, 6 o'clock at home. Then next week, Pistons and Timberwolves, Pistons and Bulls. Those are the next four games before we are on the podcast next. You talk about Saturday. It's a must win for Detroit. You can't fall to a team like Cleveland. You can't fall to Cleveland. It needs to be easy work and then find your way into Sunday and see if you can get one at home from the Raptors. Oh, agreed. They're... This is must win. You cannot falter down the stretch in a playoff push to a team that's, what, 15-47 and 47 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You cannot fall to that type of team. Well, Detroit currently sits in the seventh seat. We will see next week if they are able to move up, stay the same, or if they falter down. So it will be an interesting week of basketball, and we look forward to discussing it with you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.